Hello, everybody. Welcome to Team Fight Talk Show. I am Doa. With me is Frodan. And with us today is special guest as well from the Riot TFD design team. Is none other than Riot Static. That's right. The Static Shiv was named after him. Your guess is correct. But it's set six. It's, it's, a, it's a brand new set. It's on the PBE. We played a couple days of it. A lot to talk about. But first, let's get to know our guests a little bit better. Uh, how's it going, Static? It's going great. I mean, I'm always excited when we release new stuff. And, <clears throat> you know, we've been working in, in our basements on this for like months and months and months and see everyone get so excited and, and, and be so positive about, about, about how they're feeling about this set. It's just been really exciting. So, Yeah, there's, there's a lot to talk about with this one. Uh, Frodan, uh, we've been talking a lot about this set. We did a little bit of playtesting last week, a little bit of hanging out on the PBE this week. Uh, how, how have you been? We're getting to set six up, but how have you been just otherwise? Uh, life's super busy, man. Uh, I think that it's not an exaggeration to say that this might be the busiest month of my life. <laughs> There's a crazy amount of stuff happening with, um, with Twitch Rivals and work. Uh, I'm getting married in like two weeks. I'm moving the week after. And the week after that, there's another live event that I have to attend. Uh, then there's like family holiday plans that I have to account for because my family might be moving with me. So I have to help scout for them. Oh. So it's just like... There's just like a lot of insanity that, uh, and also, oh yeah, uh, set six is out. I have to learn the set. <laughs> I, have to, I have to cast a tournament. Um, so, uh, not that many augments. Don't worry about it. It's, yeah. I, I would totally drop all my life responsibilities and hardcore focus on <laughs> TFT like everybody else if I could. Um, but I'm gonna have to juggle. So I feel like I'm gonna start from behind. I'm, I'm trying to get as many games as I can in PB now because I think the first two weeks upon release, I won't be able to play like whatsoever. Dude, I, I am right there with you as far as life stuff. As, uh, as those of you at home may notice, this is not my normal setup. I am actually in my father-in-law's office in Incheon, South Korea right now, uh, hanging out with, uh, with my wife here until uh, early December, probably, when we'll be back in the U.S. So, yeah, I'm, I'm back in South Korea for a little while. I got some stuff to do here. And, uh, you know, I just, I just really wanted to play on the Korean server this set. That's what it's all about. I'm like, you know what? NA, NA2 free, you know, I'm going to go to Korea. I mean, don't worry about world's uh, results, by the way. But uh, I wanted to play on the Korean server. So, so here I am. And my, my trusty, sadly, my trusty uh, road uh, NTUSB. We're not sponsored by them, but here's like a, a shout out to them uh, anyway. <laughs> it's been a great microphone for many years, but it, it died. It, uh, it gave up the ghost on the trip over here. So... I'm going to, you know, build a little boat, uh, have a Viking funeral for it, uh, set it on fire and push it into a, a canal somewhere, I guess, or I'll shoot like a flaming yeah. arrow into it or something. Um, but, you know, I'll download, way, uh, I'll download a candle app so I can light it up <laughs> for you as you send it off. Thank you. So I, I don't sound as good right now because I was going to use that microphone. That's my normal mic, but I'm on my webcam mic instead. So <laughs> apologies there. But we've got a lot to talk about with uh, with set six uh, right now. I mean, man, like, where do we even start? I mean, there's Tons of new traits, tons of new champions. The big uh, mechanic for the set is going to be the Hextech Augments, obviously. There's a lot to talk about there. But, man, like, uh, you know, I, I'll throw this question over to you, uh, Static. Like, when you, you look at everything in totality with, uh, with set six here, with gizmos and gadgets, uh, you worked a lot on the Augments. But well, where do you think is a good place to start in terms of just talking about the set? Yeah, I guess just giving some context on, on this set. The set means a lot to us, I think. Hmm the tft team as well as like the bigger riot games as a whole we were kind of doing a big moment with kind of uh arcane that's coming out the new show so this this was kind of like a big kind of tie-in with that and 
we were playing this a long time ago. So we wanted this to be kind of like our biggest set, our most ambitious set. And I think it shows. <laughs> I hope it shows uh, with all the things we've, we tried to fit into this. I know for sure, like just our, as far as like memory budget and like size of the, of the patches, this one's definitely gone a lot farther than we thought it would. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think uh, personally, I'd like to start with Augments just because that's what I worked on a lot. Um, this set, it's, I'm really excited about it. I, I, I love that everybody's at least initially had a lot of positive feedback so uh yeah i mean that's definitely i think a, a great place to start all right so uh so let's talk about that so there's there's three tiers of augments basically um and there are over 140 of them is is that right do you have a specific number for us with that or is it exactly 140 points there this, this is such a tagline thing i mean if you count the actual individual augments oh, i think it's like 148 or 149 um but okay. it's, it's kind of cheating because it's kind of counting uh augments that have multiple tiers within them because you'll see some of the augments sure. will be like hey chemical overload one chemical overload two chemical over three then like when we use the tagline like there's 149 that we're counting those three times and that's kind of cheap i think if you talk it's about like unique, yeah that's a lot if this, you talk about unique augments i think it's probably around a hundred Oh, okay. Only a hundred. Yeah, so right. it was definitely a lot of work. And so your job is to just lock yourself in your room, no windows, no, no nothing convenient, right? Just to bunker down and just like hammer out. Like, how long did that take you? Just like crank all these out. I'm sure you came up with more than this, right? I'm sure the list was like much longer and you had to cut them down. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think we've had like a couple of brainstorm sessions where just like, Everyone was just typing into the spreadsheet, just like, oh my god, like, what if, what if you could like teleport a champion from another board and all these crazy ideas, you know? And and there was just, I still, I, okay. I still have. That's like a joke that we use a lot in champion in champion brainstorms back in the day in League of Legends. You know, when we got to the point where people started giving ideas around like champions coming from different games, we were just like, all right, the brainstorm's over, we're done with this. So there's a lot of crazy ideas in this spreadsheet that we even used to track all the current ones. I think we probably, yeah, like. Man, it, it, we had an initial brainstorm. I was struggling a lot actually at the beginning to just get everything in because I was basically mainly working on it um, almost by myself at the beginning because it's just so many moving parts, like you said, with the set. We got the champions, we got the traits. You yeah. know, there's all the stuff outside of the gameplay. You know, as far as like the art and the skins and the maps, and so like there's just so much going on. Um, but yeah, I think after we got the first kind of bunch in. It was, we, we really noticed, like, oh my gosh, this game is so fun already. And the only thing we were missing was just more augments. So uh, after that, we piled in. A lot more people came in to come help build it further. Um, with these set mechanics, we're never 100% sure if it's going to pop off or not. Because it's like, it could be the worst thing or the best thing. I think in this case, we were really happy with what we saw when we put it first into the game. So, um, yeah. Well, it's been okay. a lot of fun so what far. What about... The icons. Sorry to cut you off, though. I just oh, uh, go ahead. I know that there's like a lot of um, PBE. There's just I guess when you don't have no like if you don't have like an icon set for it, it's just like the generic TFT logo. Is there plans to like flesh out and individualize every single icon in Hextech Augments? Yeah, it's already done actually. I literally just put. I think we really put them all in probably a day or two ago. Um, hmm. 
funny story that actually originally we were planning to use the summoner like the summoner icons i don't know if you guys are familiar with league of legends the summoner icons like yeah. as, as kind of like the all the icons for all these augments you can actually see in like i think even our preview video that we we have on youtube there's actually like some of the old icons being used from league of legends um that was our original pitch but the art team was like well some of these are kind of not that great as far as the fidelity goes and this gets pretty confusing um so we ended up doing this kind icons, of yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was the kind of art the style that they, they created for it. But yeah, all of them all of the augments have their own now. And you'll see maybe hopefully by like I think by the, the tournament start on PPE, it should they should all be in um to have the yeah. unique uh, augments that icons that really express mm-hmm. the kind of fantasy that each augment is trying to create. So So I've got kind of more of a technical question with all those augments then, because you know, you know, whenever you put a champion in their ability in TFT or something like that. It changes the board state. It changes the way things interact with each other. Uh, how how difficult is it to program like that many different things that change the the game so much? Because you you've got things to the extent that like the board is essentially a sunfire cave, you know. So it's there's a, a lot of kind of crazy stuff happening and, and things interacting in ways that we haven't seen before. How difficult was that to actually get it in there and get it you know working? Yeah, I think it's been like a double edged sword because uh we're reusing a lot of stuff that what has been in previous sets i think i think that's something that everyone will notice it's like this is kind of like a greatest hits of tft vibe uh, as far as the augments go we kind of cherry picked a lot of our favorite things that we've we've loved and we've know players loved in the past um as well as come up with some new stuff as well so I, i was able to reuse some you know certain things that were old but then oftentimes i'd have to like you know, fix it to actually work with all the new stuff. As we make TFT, you know, better and, and add more things in, we usually have to like refurbish old stuff. And that, that mm-hmm. definitely happened a lot. Um, yeah, honestly, I needed a lot of help. We have an amazing tech designer. Uh, their name's Chloe, and <laughs> uh, they do a lot for uh, making sure that all this works together. Um, yeah, it's it, it's just a lot of work for sure. I, I spent a lot, a lot of like random nights, just like, oh god, can I just figure out how to get this to work? There's like a lot of weird ones that I, I hope I hope you guys will will see some of these because like because there's so many and certain augments yeah. require certain scenarios mm-hmm. for you to be in to even be offered to you. You you may never see mm-hmm. the certain augments if you just don't play enough, you know. So it's gonna be interesting. Now that yeah. was something I was gonna ask real quick too is. Uh, how much is what you're already kind of doing in the game influencing the augments that you're shown? Uh, a lot. Uh, so mm-hmm. the, the, on the first on the first augment choice, um, there's actually quite a lot of randomization um, mm-hmm. in, in order to basically open up some different pathways for you. Um, but the second and third ones are highly what we call curated. I don't know if this is the right word, but we use the word curated, which means like it looks at your board and then determines what things are actually like reasonable for you um and that 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 size can still is still pretty large when you have 100 augments there's still a lot to choose from even when you're doing that kind of uh curation or, or, or as we call it um but yeah it, for the most part you are getting ones that are quite tailored to your position and it may, it may never be perfect because we can't come up with like you know every single scenario where it's like oh yeah this is exactly when you would want you know the cyber uh, augment um but we try our best to try to offer you at reasonable time so that you feel like you have a meaningful decision to make between the three augments. So makes sense. Yeah, I'm kind of. It's, it's actually fascinating that some people can like play the entire set and not see some of these augments in general. Um, I do remember hearing a rumor that 
there was stuff being worked on for set six that was perceived so well internally that they were debating whether or not that they should carry over some stuff for future sets. And I don't, I, obviously you probably can't confirm or deny any of that, but I will say that augments seem to be a ve very well received. Um, I, 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 I draw a lot of inspiration from uh, Hearthstone Battlegrounds when they did something called Dark Moon Fair Prizes. They basically mm -hmm. had this like either temporary or permanent enchantment based on when you were introduced for different junctures of the game. This feels like it was iterated upon and then cranked up to 11 in true TFT wacky fashion. Uh, you know, when someone when someone brought that up, was that was that ever actually on the table, or is that just a very interesting coincidence? Uh, are, are you speaking about like uh, the fact that like yeah, I mean, this, this, these kind of systems, I guess, like have been pretty popular, I guess, in game design for the past like five or six years. I feel like the idea of just like these kind of three choices, and like you know, obviously, I know Dan, you did a lot of Hearthstone and Discover is kind of like their thing. Um, yeah. Definitely it's inspired like, by that. Getting things, you know, it's it's yeah. a roguelike. Yeah, that yeah. roguelike. Everyone's yeah. calling it like that roguelike mechanics or roguelike mechanics. Um, yeah, I, I think we were definitely very inspired by all those types of games for sure while we made it, and I, I hope I hope it's delivering on that and and more in a way with, with the the kind of content we've made for it. Because I think sometimes in a lot of other games, like they'll give you the three choices, but they don't really seem that interesting, or they don't actually change yeah. the way you're kind of thinking about the things. And 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 I. Yeah really wanted with augments to, to challenge everybody to like really try to think about how to make this work for them and not all the augments are going to like tweak your tweeze your brain but a good chunk of them hopefully uh make you feel like every game of tft is a lot is more interesting uh to play as far as like yeah like uh moving forward from here we're just we're honestly just right there with you as far as like we don't really know like there's a lot of positive reception both internally and now hopefully externally that we're seeing but we've got to see it roll out to you know all the other regions see the feedback um i 100 even if we do keep you know some version of augments moving forward it would definitely have to be iterated pretty heavily i think because this is this is just the first version and, and i think there's a lot more to do both within this set and maybe beyond so yeah it blows my mind because i say if it's like 100 plus i mean 140 augments like how what's what's 5.5 gonna do it's like are you gonna like double it 280 augments at, at my, the, the possibilities uh are really much warping my mind um so but i guess you know i did have like a follow-up question i guess in terms of internal sentiment since we're speaking about it it's been really difficult just balancing the traits and champions and items in that sense based off like stages and timings and drops now you're entering another like dimension and a half of balance what's What's the current, you know, you know, there's like a, a little meter that that gauges the threat level. Like, what's the threat level of balance currently dialed in at internally at Riot for things like the high sec augments for set six? Oh, yeah, I think I think like realistically speaking, the live team should be like slamming the red button. Just like eh, alarm, alarm, <laughs> alarm. It's, it's, it's red alert for sure. I, I you know, because I've had a lot of experience on being on the live team, both on League of Legends and on TFT mm -hmm. and. You know, I, the one thing I always told both, uh, you know, Mort and Kent, who are like kind of the main people working on the live team for TFT, is like, I, I promise you this will be fun. I just don't know how it's going to go as far as kind of like the game health and the balance and, and the, the fairness and integrity that we also want TFT to live up to. That's kind of like the hard line we have to walk as far as like, hey, TFT is wacky and fun and interesting, but it's also skillful and, and fair and competitive. And I think... 
this is going to be by far, like you said, the hardest set to balance because each of those augments needs to be tuned. Some of these augments just may be unreasonable for where we put them at. Maybe you shouldn't be offered certain augments at stage two or whatever in stage one versus stage two. And then like, we've thought about all these things, but without a ton of like playtesting and data, it's really hard to figure out what rules we actually need. And so we kind of just need to give it to you guys and tell, let, you know, let us know when something seems like way too off. Um, I do think the first month or so and this, this upcoming tournament, uh, it's going to be pretty wacky. I think so. Hold on to your horses. I think I, I always feel like, you know, you've got this fun, wacky sort of aspect to TFT and the, the way it's designed and all that. And, and, you know, everyone we talk to from the development team is, is generally a pretty fun, positive person. But then you look at the balance in the game and it's, it kind of reminds me of like those monks in the middle ages that like their path to spiritual enlightenment was to whip themselves over and over again. <laughs> And like that's, I feel like that's what you guys are doing each set. You're like, no, shadow items weren't enough. We need to like make it harder on ourselves. Like this needs to keep us up at night even more than that. And like the whipping just starts happening more intensely. But but we appreciate it because it's fun for us. So thank you. You know, we appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> I think the one like maybe positive aspect to this is that like because augments aren't controllable by the player per se, like you can influence mm -hmm. it. Um, and you obviously sure, make sure. a decision. Um. You know, you can't really force as much as you used to be able to in other sets. So that might be a possible, uh, you know, kind of balancing lever in and of itself. But sure, I do sure. think ultimately, it, yeah, it's going to be quite a ride from here on out. Yeah, the, the game the game feels like a more like a journey, I would say, than, uh, than previous sets have felt, you know, where things kind of evolve and change over time like they normally do in TFT. But making these choices... I don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to explain. It kind of feels like there's more of a, a story happening in the game with your board than uh, than in previous sets. If that makes sense, maybe it doesn't. Yeah, I think it's a good summary of it, and I think we should uh, probably just start talking a little bit more about set six, like I guess formally here, uh, since sure. I think we want to like go through all the traits, just kind of explain what's going on. I know some we people get to that. still haven't had a chance to like look at PB. Maybe they've been too busy to even watch streams. So uh, right. we'll start here with the origins and just kind of walk things through. I guess maybe we can just like take one each here and just like maybe discuss like very briefly what we think. Um, sure. I guess I'll go first with Academy. So Academy is a scaling uh, vertical that you can, uh, you know, basically get, like stack a bunch of power similar to say Spellweavers from the previous set. Um, when they have bonus attack damage and ability power, though, so it's not just like ability power, unlike the Spellweavers. So they like learn from their allies. That's kind of like a little meme that's being passed around internally uh, with a bunch of practice groups. Uh, and they basically just gain stats whenever any ally casts an ability, and it stacks the more uh, academics that you have. Um, and they have some really powerful carries. I think the most notable ones are Lux and Yone, for sure, because... Uh, Lux does this giant burst as an Arcanist. And then Yone has this really cool, unique ability that doesn't exist in Summoner's Rift. It's actually something that's been introduced new to TFT, where he summons a clone of himself that, be that's, um, that, that doesn't really die unless he dies. And then uh, it doubles up your DPS or doubles up whatever you have. So it's really powerful. And of course, shout out to Yumi. The trait being cuddly, you can see that kind of at the bottom as well, which is that Yumi, like a very good loyal cat, attaches... Uh, herself to an ally and then gives it a shield and of course uh, becomes untargetable just like in Summoner's Rift so equally annoying and, and very powerful yeah it's uh, 
next on the list, I suppose, is going to be Chemtech. Do you want to just go through all of these, or should we just uh, should we just skim it? Oh, I mean, it's actually up to you guys. Like, is this something that I mean, we can talk about it, or because I feel like if we if we just kind of skip past it, I feel like we don't talk a lot about the set itself, and we just kind of start going over like topics. But I kind of want to set the framework of like these are certain things that we're thinking about. These are certain units that you can start itemizing and, and trying to think about as carries versus like not or support units and whatnot. All right. Well, let's talk about chemtech though. So chemtech, I would say, if if you're looking for a, a trait that's probably in, in my experience so far, the easiest trait to put together in play. Play Chemtech, get Mundo as your tank, get Urgot as your carry, give them 80 items. Works pretty well. Chemtech, when they drop below 75% health, you can see they get a lot of stuff. You get damage reduction, you also get attack speed, and you get uh, regeneration. And so that's something that benefits literally every type of character in the game. It benefits tanks, obviously, to keep your front line going. It benefits carries to help give them sustain. Uh, and there's a lot of different you know, things you can use with this. You can kind of tie it in with Assassins a little bit if you want to play Twitch. Um, again, like I mentioned, I think the, the most straightforward way to play it is to have a strong front line with Dr. Mundo as a centerpiece, and then have Urgot be your main AD carry and throw in another twin shot to, uh, you know, increase the DPS a little bit there. But I think it's one of the easiest traits to just go vertical on right now and, and have a pretty solid game. So if you're looking for some place to start with set six, I think Chemtech is a good place to go. Uh, a lot of people have been calling for Dr. Mundo's head right now because yeah. he up Warlocks and any kind of resistance on this guy. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. He's strong. He is unkillable right now. Um, so, Static, can you talk a little bit about Victor's design a little bit? He seems kind of awkwardly fitted as a 5-cost, and there's a lot of criticisms about whether or not Victor's even worthy of being a 5-cost. People are saying, like, they maybe pick him up as a 3-cost. Like, what, what's your response to that? Yeah, I mean, I think with five costs, it's really difficult because we kind of, they kind of serve two purposes. One is like, hey, I'm often a, a kind of end, end cap build to your build, right? Like, oh, this is the ultimate chemtech or the ultimate arcanist. But also at the same time, we need them to be pretty generally flexible such that if you find one in the shop pretty early, like you, it should like bait you to try to play them, you know, because they're, they're rare and, they're, and they should okay. be really So it's kind of walked that fine land of like, hey, I'm, I'm, I am part of my traits, but also I need to be flexible enough to be useful. And I think at times internally, he, he was like one-shotting boards every time he cast. He was kind of his original design was just like, hey, here's the lasers. They come in, they blow everyone up. Um, and I think slowly we've tried to add in a couple of different mechanics to help him be a bit more utility, like give him a little more utility as far as the armor shred, I think, on his kit, and as well as the like shield, the shield break. Uh, yeah. And I, yeah, he's a little bit, he's hard because he's also competing with Lux, who's a, a prominent uh, Arcanist carry right now. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm confident we'll be able to figure out a better place for him. He might also, also just be underpowered right now. I, I feel like when I play him, his lasers just might be missing when they shouldn't and something's going wrong or i've seen some fights where he does pop off but it's not consistent so yeah yeah that, that's generally my sentiment i'm sure that will tweak and it could be right like once we just start noticing his lasers hit actually hit and then like oh that's actually doing a lot of work so we could probably see his role there um so static would you like to do clockwork at all here talk a little bit about yeah that. yeah yeah clockwork i mean uh as a design, it really was just kind of like the attack speed buff uh, trait. I mean, we've had this uh, many times throughout our, our uh, different iterations of, of TFT sets. Uh, so the champs are Camille, Zillion, Jin, and Oriana. 
Um, this one's interesting because you can't really activate Clockwork, you know, until you get to that, like Clockwork 4 until you get later into the game, you get that double four costs, and that's pretty hard to get to sometimes. Right now, I know it's quite a strong combo to run just Jin and Orianna with a bunch of other good units. <laughs> it seems like a pretty flexible composition uh, as far as building it. Um, but yeah, I think that's it's nice because you have an AD carry and you have like an AP carry in Oriana. It's easy to kind of find items for each of them, and then you have a very flexible, you know, front line that you can put in front of them to to, to hold it down. I think enchanters and bodyguards have been pretty popular to put with them. Yes. Um, but I, I've seen all sorts of different things. I, I think I'm I'm sure Clockwork Colossus will also work. Um, so there's just a lot of interesting things. The actual mechanic is really just attack speed, and we added a little bit of flavor by saying, hey. Based on the augments, you'll get a little bit more attack speed. So as the game goes on and you hit those augment uh, break points, you'll just get a little bit more attack speed. Uh, yeah. So. Makes sense. And uh, we all know how that really helps Jin as a sniper, uh, which we'll probably briefly talk about till the second half. I'm sure the classes, we won't spend as much time as Origins. Oriana, I've seen a lot of people try to itemize her as a carry. I wouldn't recommend it currently unless they significantly change some of her ratios. But her utility is fantastic. Very reminiscent of Diana. It's just like the moonfall, the way it disrupts. Um, and I have even seen people frontline her to try to get her cast a little bit quicker. So uh, I've experimented with it. I'm not entirely sold, but I think Oriana is one of the more interesting units, interesting forecast for sure. That's a lot more than meets the eye. Um, let's talk about Enforcer. Now, this one's actually quite interesting because Enforcer is what many people uh, equivocate to as being a Zephyr built into a trait. And some people were like, oh, well, you know, is that really worth putting it into a trait? And it turns out that Enforcer might actually be one of the most powerful late game traits possible because yes, it is a Zephyr. So if people stack the Mundo, they stack the Cho'Gath 3 with Infinite Feast, they have this giant Galio, they have, you know, like an unkillable three-star unit that's in the back line that, you know, like a Jace, for example, that's like two-star stuff like that. You can use Enforcer to actually lock it down. Um, and that, as you know, Zephyrs can swing fights. So situationally, this ends up being an incredibly powerful trait. Um, and I kind of want to actually throw it back to static here. It's like, you know, the intention of this was it feels a lot more like something that you weave in and out based on what your composition is. Uh, and I, I'm curious if there was anything more to it than that. I mean, a lot of times when we're working on some of these traits, we're coming from a very thematic angle. You know, Enforcer just made sense for these champions, you know, who are about, like, bringing justice and law to Piltover. Um or wherever they're from, I guess, Fiora's Demacia. But, um, yeah, I, I, originally, actually, the mechanic was was a true Zephyr, as in they were taken out of combat completely. Um, I think that we ran to some kind of gameplay issues where it was just very frustrating to play against, where it was like, oh, gosh, they can guarantee take out my biggest tank or and my biggest carry for the fight, for, like, a significant portion of the fight, at least. And so we added that rule near the end where, you know, they're actually not gone, but they will break out if they take enough damage. Uh, as far as, like, actual gameplay goes, it's nice because this these these kind of, like, four bunched units inside of a, of a, of a Origin, it generally are pretty flexible. Like, you don't have to, you know, activate some, like, specific thing to get them to actually be decent DPS. Like, I know Fiora and Jace do a lot of damage, even if you have, like, no traits active for them, really. So you kind of just get as a bonus as far as, like, the Enforcer bonuses. I don't, I don't think you need to play around it too much as the Enforcer, but then as the opponent, you actually, like, really think about it a lot. And you're like, oh, gosh, if my Mundo's going to get locked on for the first four seconds, what am I going to do to not? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Enforcer yeah, right back. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Fight enforcement yeah. with enforcement. There you go. Yeah. 
Well, let's talk about uh, Glutton a little bit. So this is a, this is a Tom Kench only trait here, and this is one of my favorite things actually in set six right now. It's really fun. You can feed an ally to Tom Kench. You just kind of hold over him a little bit until he opens his mouth, and then you can eat it, or then he can eat it, and uh, get some stats out of that, get some HP. So you can uh, build up your Tom Kench that's on the board. Um, I was watching Frodan play a game earlier. He had a Tom Kench on the board, a Tom Kench on the bench, and he was feeding each of them each turn so that when he was able to two-star later on, he could just have that much more HP. So you're able to do that too. But, I mean, he's just a fun unit in general. He eats people, he spits out gold components, all this kind of stuff. We'll get to that a little bit later, but Glutton, Glutton is a fun one. Um, I was just going to do that quick and then go on to Imperial, unless you want to talk a bit more about Glutton. It's it's a fun one. It's pretty epic. Also, situationally, even better than Zephyr, because if you're able to use position... Oh, sorry, just like Tom catches a unit. If you position him and he devours something, it's just even worse than uh, than Zephyr at times. But anyways, he's (laughs) awesome, yeah. Because he'll keep doing it throughout the round. But let's move on to Imperial a little bit. So Imperial, this was a, a, a in a different version, this was a set one trait, if I remember right, from way, way back when. It didn't do the same thing, though. This is kind of like the next evolution of this, where at the start of combat, whichever Imperial did the most damage last round becomes a Tyrant who does bonus damage. And then uh, when the Tyrant dies, the Imperial who, does a, the, who has dealt the most damage, this combat becomes a new Tyrant. So uh the tyrant can the tyrant die and still have done the most damage and then be the tyrant to get next round because i haven't played around with this trait that much yet okay just wanted to make sure but yeah so it's a way to you know use this trait to continue to boost um one of your carries uh samira is kind of one that people have been playing around with a little bit i'm not i haven't seen it be super successful yet um scion seems like an interesting option but I'm actually, I'm going to throw this over to you guys, because I haven't done a lot with Imperial yet in my games. Uh, I haven't played around yeah. this trade tra- that much yet. Do you have any more experience? So I think Imperial is supposed to capture the power fantasy of a hyper carry. You know, the idea that you just have one unstoppable uh, champion that just completely destroys everything. Um, the Imperial builds that seem to be most successful is when you three-star Samira. And the most important item on her would be Runin's Hurricane because it uh, just gets her damage really going. And she also shreds the armor of whoever she attacks. Uh, I, I She's using the same skin of her release. So uh, from Festival of Beats at 4.5. Um, I was expecting just like instinctually that Samira would be jumping around. She does not. Yeah. So uh, I was positioning her in like very bold places and she was getting punished pretty hard. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. But Samira 3 with Imperial and let's say you're even fortunate enough to get... Um, even two uh, Imperials, like there's an Augment, for example, that makes two Tyrants. You can actually set up uh, Scion or Talon as a secondary carry as well. And Swain's a really good tank. You know, don't don't be like, you know, uh, don't be like distracted by the fact he's like a two-cost Arcanist. Like you can have Swain be three-star and then you don't have to play like Talon or even Scion. Um, and you can be very flexible with it. Uh, and then after that, you just kind of go deeper into the Challenger trait. So Imperial is really fun. I've, it's probably the trade I've actually played the most alongside oh. uh, Chemtech. And I've, I've tried making all of them carries. I, I want to give a shout out to Talon. I think Ta- Talon is actually quite possibly the most underrated two cost right now. Him getting the two star and th- holding three items is very powerful and might be even be one of the, the best two costs to consider re-rolling in the future. But we're not entirely sure yet uh, because a couple of two costs we'll talk about in a second here are, are about to show him up. Yeah, Imperial has some of the like fun augments. Like you said, one of them is dual rule where there's two tyrants. So, and the other one is actually called uh, one for all. So basically, as allies die, they'll actually sacrifice their HP and give it to the tyrant. So they can get pretty big. Um, nice. Pretty cool combination. Yeah. 
I love it. I love it. A reference to Dark Star, a little reference to anime. It's great. It's all. Uh, mercenary. Now, this is all you, man. Mercenaries, the 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 fortune comeback. Like, let's talk a little yeah. bit about mercenaries here, and also talk about like what does it mean that the dice are luckier or like upon you know can we talk a little yeah, bit about yeah, that yeah i can dive into that i mean i think like from a thematical view we knew we knew fortune was such a big hit in set four and we wanted to bring some version of it back and we needed to do it in a way that was new and interesting so obviously with the champions we chose is a very pirate thematic going on and so we had this idea around you know dice and filling the chest full of loot and and, and paying that out so yeah as you as you get into higher higher tiers of mercenary basically the things that can get put into the chest when you lose or or win are basically increased so if you get to like mercenary seven like it gets pretty crazy as far as like you know it could be a force of nature in there it could be you know nikos it could be all sorts of very powerful things but when you're at the you lower tiers that's like crown now right yeah um and you know if you're down at like kind of like mercenary three it's going to be more just like some gold and maybe you'll get a component if you're lucky for the mo- but for the most part it's pretty tame so you know when you're playing mercenary it's still that same strategy that people are used to i think as far as fortune goes it's like hey i'm kind of like playing a fairly weak board because my units just aren't that strong mercenaries is not going to help you with combat power so you're kind of trying to lose but barely lose and then hit some kind of big power break point and then turn the game around and kind of snowball from there. So it's still the same thing. And I think they have a lot of different ways to carry. Gangplank is kind of like your AD carry. You're going to put in crit items on him, AD items as much as you can, and he can farm gold for you directly with his... I think his spell does that by default. So um, If you kill someone, yeah. Yeah, and then Misfortune is it's actually a surprisingly powerful AP carry if you get her going. She does a lot of damage if you can three-star her. And you have the end cap with Tom Kench. So hmm. there's a lot of ways for Mercenary to like super skill into the game because they have both the loot coming from the die as, as well as Tom Kench. Actually, when he kills units, he can actually, uh, with his spell, he can actually spit out components. And you can kind of keep building, have a full team with full items. You know, you have like 10 units on board. It's just kind of crazy. So definitely Mercenary is kind of like a eighth or first kind of composition still. So we're hoping that that each creates a lot of fun moments. And fun when I've uh, played around with it so far. I'm, I'm looking forward to do a lot, do a lot more of that. Um, Frodan, do you want to take Mutant? This is a, this is a fun sure. one. I'm sure we're going to be talking about Mutant crazy. for a while. So yeah. Mutant is like the Hextag augment within the Hextag augment, you know? It's like, <laughs> what do you really get every single game? Uh, basically, Mutant rolls, like, a different trait that's very reminiscent of past traits. So, you know, one that, you know, is, like, really easy to understand, for example, is uh, Mutants can basically become cybernetics, where anyone holding an item component of any kind gets health and attack damage. And so that's, like, early snowball potential for Mutant. There's also ones that are reminiscent of Predators, right? Um, which is very fitting that, you know, Kogma, two costs that we, you know, we're talking about two costs that are really powerful that can reroll or just have a really good item holder position. Um, mutants, there's a, there's, a, there's a trait that executes when you deal damage based on the percentage health. So if they're like, I believe, 20% health or less and you hit them with anything, they instantly die. So Kogma just comes back as like a predator, right? You know, yep. Static basically said that. Set six feels like almost it almost feels a little bit like you know Smash Bros Ultimate like yes everybody is back you know and that's that's kind of a little bit of what Mutant does it it, it rolls back a couple of different sets in different t- periods of time and gives you a little time capsule of it 
uh, while also giving you some really interesting, fun things to fit, right? So the most we talked about Kogma. Uh, people have been, you know, re-rolling Cho'Gath. I think that's Mismatched Sock's favorite build on the mm-hmm. alpha testing, where he was, uh, you know, itemizing Cho as the carry, giving him like Titans Resolves and Warmog, which is like very hard to kill. I've seen people utilize Malzahar carry. That's something that Goobums is experimenting a lot with. I experiment as fun. well, not top yeah. four. Uh, Mundo is just Mundo. He's unkillable. They're probably gonna have to nerf him at one point. Uh, and then Kaisa, I think, is probably uh, the definitive five-cost AP carry because uh, she just has so much powerful scaling as the fight goes on. That uh, you know, as she as the fight lasts longer and longer, she's just gonna isolate more and deal more damage. So every single one of these mutants in their own right, including even Cassid in certain situations, are really really powerful, and they're different each game. So you can't just say like I'm a mutant one trick because that just that doesn't tell us anything. <laughs> that tells us that you just like those those champions in general, which I think is really cool. I think it's really cool. Yeah, it is. So I, I want to ask you, Static, when you were designing or when the team was designing Mutant anyway, because a lot of the traits are just are traits that are brought back. Like we've got a Dark Star esque trait in there too. There's like a Blade Master esque trait that's in there. Uh, how did you go about deciding which one of the which traits from the past you would sort of get inspiration from to put in the Mutant? Yeah, I think a lot of it was actually just like ones that were memorable, but also ones that synergize specifically with certain champions. Like, we knew sure. Blademaster would work very well with Kog'Maw because he has an on-attack proc effect, basically. Um, and, like, kind of the Astro is really strong with Malzahar because his mana gets so low and he's just basically chain-casting this dot, kind of, like, similar to Brand from last set, I think. Um, so I, I think that's kind of, like, our, our guiding our guiding lines there. But also, we were just kind of going crazy with it. I think, it's again, it was something very thematic. Like, Mutant, it's kind of changing. It's always it's something that's unstable and it's kind of something you can't predict. So... I think when you're playing Mutant, you definitely got to really make sure you you know what you're going into as far as that game in particular. So I, we thought it was kind of cute that maybe, you know, like at the start of every game, if it was uh, nice players, they'd be like, oh, guys, Mutant is this, this game in case. Or maybe somebody's going to be like mis- misinformation. They'll be like, oh, Mutant's <laughs> totally Astro, but it's actually like Blade Master or whatever. <laughs> mm. Mortog said that y'all tried Keeper as well. Oh, wow. yeah, we did. Yeah, it just didn't really work out. It doesn't make too much sense because like you didn't really want to bunch these units together. And, yeah, and it didn't make too much sense. So we tried tons of weird stuff and the stuff that's. I like stuff. how it's. I like how it's turned out. Yeah, we talk about what six point five changes. Hey, new mutant, new mutations. There you go. There's one option. But uh, let's move on. Talk about uh, scrap. Oh, by the way, I did do the uh, the mana reduction Malzahar build. And it is really fun. If you like the Cassiopeia, the brand, just constantly casting and like just doing a lot of damage over time to a bunch of different people on the other side. That's the way you want to go. So keep an eye out for that if you like those builds in previous sets. Uh, let's talk about Scrap. This is another interesting one. Um, at the start of combat, components held by Scrap champions turn into full items for the rest of combat. And you also get a shield uh, for each component equipped in your army, um, including those that are part of a full item. So you can do ways, you can do things to sort of like cheat two items on someone if you have one completed item and one component you know that component's going to turn into something um and it, do i am i right in that it always turns into an item that uses that component because yeah, i've done exactly. scrap a little bit but not a ton yet okay it is so so that's it's kind of a cool way to sort of get a lot of itemization across your team um with lesser commitment i guess um but yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's fun Scrap is one of my favorite, just from like a gameplay standpoint. It's just so fun. Like you're just putting, like getting all these random items. You don't know what's happening. It's just kind of yeah. your characters feel yeah. scrappy in that sense. They feel really resourceful. That they're just kind of like making it work with whatever. It's like, oh my zigs has a you know a shroud this fight. I don't know what's going on. It's pretty fun. Um, 
it's usually paired with Innovator early. It's super strong in the early game just because you're just yeah. using your kind of item advantage over yeah, your opponents. Course. But I think the hard part about playing Scrap is figuring out how you're going to scale into the late game because it's it's really hard to try to rely on these random items in the late game fights. You're not going to be able to to know exactly how you're going to carry the fight out. So Jinx is pretty important, I think, to this build if you want to actually play it into the late game. But I think there's also a lot of plays where you know you play this early game and then you pivot out based on how your how your game's going. Um, so it's something mm-hmm. to look out for. It yeah, feels I think it's like the best trade to just splash in a lot of times because it helps you just generate a little bit more tempo where you need it the most. And you can really get some good skill expression based off of like what you think might happen, right? So like a really common thing is to position a belt on a scrap unit, say like Ezreal or Blitzcrank, who you sometimes keep, a lot of times you keep in the back. Sometimes Blitzcrank go in the front. And then that belt can turn into a Zeke's Herald. It can turn into a, a Banshee's Claw. And you position around that possibility. Um, sometimes, of course, it doesn't work out and it turns out to be Morel and Amicon on a unit that can't use it. But it's okay because that's what you're accounting for. And on the other end, like if you know it's a frontliner, you play more like a vest. If like it's Ziggs, he can hold like a tier or like a rod and pretty much any item he can use there. So I think the scrap is like really, really great design. And it's also something that doesn't feel like really oppressive, but it also feels like if someone puts together even a four scrap board, you know, like a scrap four, still feels like if they did a good job putting uh, some tempo together, I'm like, oh, that's actually really cool. I'm not even like upset I lost my streak or anything because it feels like they really are playing like some four-dimensional chess like because they're, they're separating everything like you said there's like a tier here a belt there a vest there and a sword it's like what are you doing he's like i don't know what i'm doing i'm just playing <laughs> scrap units and push, keeping it together <laughs> if you're the type of person that likes to greed their item components early like this is this yes. is the trait for you right because you don't need to commit if you and as you can see there's two one cost scrap and two two cost scrap so it's very feasible to hit four early you get three components turning into three completed items and like you know, we were saying, that's a good way to gain Temo and just gain a, a strong early game board without committing to those components, which then you swap the scrap champions out, you make the items you're looking for, and you're just that much farther ahead because you get more agency over which items you make. So, yeah, it's just a great early to mid-game trait. Um, it's been a lot of fun to use. Yeah, I do want to give a shout-out to Janna. I think that she, a lot of people are like, oh, isn't this just Janna from set two from Rise of the Elements? Like, well, she's a lot better. She's healing and the entire team. And I think her tags are so good. The Enchanter, Scholar, Scrap dynamic is really, really powerful. So if you're passing Janna in a lot of your roll-downs right now, you're making a giant mistake. I think she's an incredible right now utility. And almost oh, yeah. every composition would probably want to play something like her. So don't sleep on Janna. We'll get to more of that when we look at uh, some of the other traits that she has a little bit later, because yep. they do. They're very easy to splash in and use well. Um, Frodan, do you want to take uh, Sister and Socialite? Yeah, yeah, I'll do these two real quick. So Sister's right. like a pairing, very similar to Soulbound uh, from Lucia and Senna, where it's like there's only two of them, and they specifically buff each other uh, because they're sisters. First of all, S-tier naming, it's like very, it's very fun. We know exactly what it is. It's great for yeah. flavor, and also like very poignant for TFT memes as well. It's just like, it's great uh, across the board, 10 out of 10 flavor-wise for me. Um, and also surprisingly very impactful because this there's a little package that exists in the late game with Vi, Jinx, and Jace that I think are very, very powerful to tech into late game. If you ever find yourself with um, items that seem they're like they're split down the middle, they're a little bit of AP, a little bit of AD, some attack speed as well, Jinx can hold it all. She's actually probably the most flexible carry in the game currently from what i see because she scales off of pretty much every stat that you would want offensively at the moment and so you can justify a ton of combinations onto her and then jace same 
same thing, right? He can be a frontliner or a backliner, and then Vi's just great utility. So I really like this trio in general. Uh, so shout out to the sisters plus the stepbrother, Jace. That's, that's my little download. Splash and Forcer late game. Always good. Um, and then Socialite is uh, kind of a throwback. To, you know, speaking of set two, uh, probably the the most ne- forgotten set of all of them in terms of people's like favorite sets of all time, unless you ask like Delicious Milk. Uh, Socialite <laughs> is an elemental hex, kind of reborn in the form of like everybody gets the same hex. But there's like specific bonus power that gets associated with being in that spot. And everybody knows where it is, which is really fun for positioning nuance. Uh, the first socialite buff is probably the most impactful one, which is just a flat bonus damage period. And we all know that you want a mixture of additive, like stuff like AP and AD on top of like crit chance and on top of things like this bonus damage is really powerful. So really good to augment. But again, keep in mind like how your items are stacking. So sometimes you might be overvaluing the socialite buff and not enough about other things, but it's really good. The most important thing about Socialite, in my opinion, is that all these units, even if their function is not the best individually, like Terex, okay, Seraphine's okay, uh, Gal is really good, but their tags are also super nice to splash in as well. So I think Socialite's really cool. Um, and also, like, it's, it's just, it's one of these really funny things where it tugs on your greed, right? You're like, I can always squeeze in a second Socialite. I want more mana. Oh, I'll just go for the third one and just carry it. And yeah, it's just one of these, like, uh, it perfectly tugs on that or tickles that part of the brain where you have these risk and reward trade offs that you always want to just stack more damage and more power onto one unit. Because that's, I think that's the most addictive thing about, like, uh, building out carries in TFT. You always feel like it's not enough power yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think with Socialite, it's like one of the key things to notice is, like, depending on where it is, that kind of like decides who you can actually put on the hex. Sometimes it'll be on your front line, which means you can't put it on your range carry. So, really noting. Who, where it is on the map before you commit to to who's just going to be in it. And on top of that, there's always the Zephyr mind games. Once the, once everyone knows where that slot is, it's just yeah. like that's kind of yeah. a dangerous spot yeah. to put your carry half the time. So it's a bit of a, a mind game there. So very, very true. true. Uh, it'll be fun to watch in tournaments specifically to uh, yeah. call people out who are maybe focusing it, tunneling on it too hard, and then other people that use it very creatively. And I'm really looking forward to casting that trait in particular. Yes, yeah. uh, yes, yeah, great. Yes. Static, uh, do you want to talk about Syndicate? Yeah, so Syndicate uh, basically will we'll kind of like, this is kind of like, I guess, like the noble-ish kind of buff uh, from the past, uh, but kind of a darker spin on it with the Syndicate <laughs> thematic. Um, but basically, one of your units is basically going to be uh, much tankier, gaining Omni Vamp, Armor, and Magic Resist. Um, based on how low they are. And then as you up the tiers of this trait, it actually starts spreading out to all the syndicates and then eventually your whole team. So um, it's really important with this this trait to, to either commit to going deep or kind of just get out of it pretty fast. Um, in the mm-hmm. early game, you can play that three syndicate and like, you know, usually like have Darius just be really tanky forever and just healing over and over. Um, but then if you keep that into the mid game, you're, you're going to be hurting. So um, committing to whether you can get to, I think you can only get to seven if you actually get the augment or an emblem. So yeah. uh, mapping that out is really important if you're going to try to go deep syndicate. But uh, the main carries in this in this composition are like Shaco and Akali, who are actually both assassins, which is funny. Um, I know Shaco has, he's actually just bugged on, on PvE. He's, he's been <laughs> absurdly powerful. But yeah, he's the exact same one from like set three. He kind of does that stealth, big, uh, big crit. Yep. So putting lifesteal items on him is just really powerful. Um, I guess he doesn't even really need it because he gets the Omnivamp from Syndicate, so you can kind of go damage, maybe a GA, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, every every unit in this comp can actually kind of carry, maybe besides Braum. I mean, he's meant to be like a, a big, you know, frontline utility, kind of like the Sejuani of this set. 
Um, but everyone else actually does a lot of damage when they put you put items on them. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of ways to play this comp right now, and they they have some of the some fun augments as well. So yeah, totally. Awesome. And then uh, you know, Shaco, as we know, destroys Akali, can execute. I do think Shaco outshines her just probably because you have more time with Shaco throughout the game, so it feels like he's more impactful. Uh, mm -hmm. Shout out to Zyra. I think that her utility is like kind of secretly OP. I think it's like a little bit too potentially powerful for just the two costs but i mean we'll, we'll we'll let time tell the tell the tale here but i think that she's like an early candidate for people are going to be like oh my god zyra is too good because it's an entire row like that you can do so like if you do the whole like you know, you know the, the sentinel positioning where you have like one like galley on the front line and lucian and senna and all the sentinels in the back line zyra destroys that because she just like completely like stuns everyone in the back line so mm -hmm. You gotta be really careful of how you position if you know Zyra's in your pool. I yeah, would say too, don't... snipers for sure. Yes, oh. snipers. Yes, very, very good. Uh, don't sleep on Twisted Fate either, because uh, I've seen some people three star three star Twisted Fate with some AP items, and he does a lot of damage. So I think yeah, I think sure. everybody in that list can can do pretty well. It's like Static was saying. I think there's a lot of carry potential and a lot of champions on that. But uh, let's move on to Yordle. I'm I've see I've carefully engineered it so I get to be the one to talk about Yordle first. See, yes. I had it all planned in advance. Yeah, one of one of my favorite traits ever. This is this is a trait that it's different. It's very different now than it was back in set one. Yordles just got dodged to the extent that you got like sixty percent dodge for your Yordles at one point. So it's just annoying to play against, but they were really fun. Um, you had Nar back then and stuff like that. But this Yordle is a little bit interesting. If you like rerolling you're going to like Yordles. Because, as you can see, uh, you just get random Yordle added to your bench for free at the beginning of uh, each combat. If you have three, and then you go up to six, and then the Yordles abilities cause 20% less to cast. And I know there's, like, some hidden stuff as well that can happen if you get up to six Yordles. I actually haven't seen this in-game yet. I haven't been able to pull this off. Uh, so so maybe maybe one of you want to talk about it a little bit more. Because I've heard about this, but I have not yet seen it myself. So. Yes. Okay. So the, the the important thing to note is that Yordles, unlike Draconics, can't give you a Yordle at the uh, beginning of a round that's already a three-star. So in set five, if you play Draconic and you got Udir three already, you could still hatch Udir's every egg, which was pretty disappointing. But I mean, that's just part of the way the mechanic was balanced. Yeah. Yordle doesn't do that. So if you have a three-star poppy, you will no longer get any poppies onto your bench. Same with Ziggs, Lulu, Tristana, Hyrule, Vex. So that brings you to the question, what happens if you three-star every single Yordle? What would the game do? It can't give you something that... It can't give you a tenth Yordle of something you already have. It instead pops out a Vagar. That's right. This is an Easter egg of a hidden champion they haven't actually talked about. The Yordle Lord, Vagar, when he his ability is that he casts... Um, a, a damage ray 20 times on everything onto the board. Think Karthus, the Yordle. So uh, he's actually very, very potent and has definitely baited so many players in my lobbies. But they're like, oh my God, I'm reroll Yordles. And they go bot to every single game. But when the ones that end up finding a two-star Vagar because they can survive three turns and get Vagar online, I haven't seen them go outside of top two. So it's one of these like, you know, first or eighth types of style, which I think are super fun. High risk, uh, very, yeah, very high reward if you're able to live past it. I'm just going to uh, learn to play it. I'm just going to be Yordle main. Like, that's that's the plan. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to skip past the classes for now, but we've talked about, I think, basically every champion in there uh, a little bit. So 
you know, you, there's tons of places to go and read it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some item changes because there have been some uh, fairly significant ones that have happened. Um, so let's let's uh, just go through this, I guess. To me, the one that probably stands out the the most is uh, the Banshee's Claw change, where it, it blocks an ability, but it doesn't block the damage completely anymore. It blocks up to 600. I still think it's a good item, but it won't be as mandatory as it felt in a lot of comps towards the end of 5.5. Yeah, when we switched it to kind of affect the three units, you know, standing next to each other, it, it, it increased the power of that item substantially. We did like the kind of gameplay it was promoting as far as, like, positioning and being able to feel like you can protect your backline carries in a way against spellcasters without having to sacrifice a full item slot. So, um, yeah, I think this is just trying to make it more reasonable, and I, I hopefully it, now we have a tuning lever there, so we can kind of tune that. I think it does. Yeah, uh, it, it feels like, you know, Banshee's Claw at one point became this really high utility item that almost every composition needed to play. And also, it was like something that 5.5 is currently like sort of balanced around in not a great way. So Banshee's Claw, for example, on the current live set for 5.5 uh, Dawn of Heroes, blocks the shot of Aphelios' Dark Vigil. The Aphelios casts... He can have infinite attack damage and infinite attack speed, whatever, and he does his Dark Vigil. It won't do anything to anybody that has a Banshee's Claw Shield. And that feels really bad. And I think people who play, like, Chugbug, for example, the Kha'Zix 3, it's supposed to crit for, like, 1,500. It does nothing because a Banshee's Claw just stops it with the Spell Shield. So it feels kind of cheese, you know, in some ways. I think that this is much more healthy. And also, you know, going down the list here, gives Quicksilver a little bit actual consideration. I've actually started been building Quicksilver, which I also really like that you've added bonus stats from the Radiant uh, Armory kind of takeaway, right? Like Quicksilver adds attack speed. Quicksilver, not quite as powerful, just like half stats on both. Really good stuff overall. Um, and I will also say, since basically that was the only change to, to Quicksilver, I think Static Shiv is, like, still okay. I actually played a game uh, with, like, Goobum, Spencer, and Nuster, and, like, some really high-level players, and Static Shiv was the first item I built, and I got top two, almost almost got a first. So that should make oh, both Static so and more Dog very happy to hear that right now. I watched this game. He speaks the truth. <laughs> I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, I think, like, bringing this back a little to the high level, like, the item changes that were done here were actually a lot about trying to make all the items a little bit more either like less op or generally more usable um so you can see actually like archangel staff is no longer tied to the mana pool of the champion so you can't you can now use it on more different types of champions but it still has the idea of like i'm kind of like super scaling into the fight as an ap carry um yeah. death blade basically is just more it's basically just like ad now instead of having this weird stacking mechanic where like certain characters would just be really good at like tagging all the champs and then super scaling in the fight um Runan's Hurricane was super tied to on-hit champions, and now we had to we wanted to remove that and see if we can just make it more of just like it's just an AD item that you can use in different you know combinations, uh, stuff like that. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think Hextech Gunblade is also just one where we're like, hey, we really liked how the you know the Radiant it's version really cool and stuff one. were working. It's like it just provides a very unique gameplay style, and we want to see how that plays out because um, it kind of felt a little bit limited in its use cases. It was just kind of like you know Vagar from Set Four, where he was like getting such big shields and chain that over and over. It felt really specific to how it could be powerful. So yeah. World would Rudin's Hurricane revert back to an on hit situation? I know this is like obviously first draft, and we have a lot more data that probably needs to come in before we do that. Well, what, what's like a a point where you say, like, okay, like, we probably should revert Rudin's Hurricane. Like, what kind of situation would arise for that to happen? Yeah, I think it would mainly be that, one, players really just hate this new item. Like, they're just not having fun at all. Like, there's just no reason to build it. You're just like, why would I build this when I can build a 
anything else, you know, with these components or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think the the issue with it really is that the on hit effects were being multiplied by two. <laughs> that that kind of like isn't on a lever we could control. So um, balancing that item has just kind of been a nightmare over time. So like you know, anytime the character had an on hit effect, like you know Yasuo from five or Vayne from previous sets, just like you just had to build it on this champion and like yeah. It's fun to have synergies in our game where it's like these things go together well, but when they go together too well, it makes things a little bit linear and a, a bit boring in a way, right? It's just like you got you just got to do this when you're playing this champion, and that's something we kind of want to avoid. So I think it's highly unlikely that we would go back, but you know uh, we're always flexible based on how how things go and moving forward. Yeah, in a game that's all about adaptability, adaptability the the more difficult. You can make it to determine what is best in slot, quote unquote, for a, a champion. The the better it is for that sort of like play style, probably. But yeah, I like these changes. I like things like the Ionic Spark. Just getting one more hex of effectiveness just you know makes it more of an appealing item to build. But uh, so all these changes are are good. I think they're going to make people build these items more. But you know what? Let's. There's still one thing that we haven't talked about yet. That's not actually in the game yet. It's not actually playable yet, but it's coming soon. It's going to be double up. Finally, everybody's been asking for it. It's a team mode for TFT. It's a 2v2v2v2. Uh, I, I'm hyped about this because of the crazy things that can happen within this as well. You can gift your partner a bunch of different stuff, champions, items, all that stuff. But the thing that stands out to me more than anything is uh, the reinforcements. If you win your fight quickly and your partner is still fighting their battle, your dudes will jump over their board and start fighting as well. Now they won't do damage if you if you win, but they'll obvi- they won't do hit point damage, I should say, if you win. But they will obviously help your uh, partner's board out a lot. But I, I can't wait to play this. This is gonna be it's gonna be pretty nuts, uh, and it's gonna be really fun to see what the pros can do with this specifically. I think. Oh yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to a lot. Every streamer I'm talking to, like not even just like you know Soju and Kiyun, but like you know I, I'm in Scara and Choco Bars and Starsman's chat, like trying to talk to them, like, hey, what are you looking forward to the most? Or like, how are you enjoying it? Everyone's like, I can't wait for two v two mode. And I'm like, I can't wait for everybody's units to come to Doctor Mundo's board and realize they still can't <laughs> kill him with fourteen Seriously. units attacking him. It's gonna be a really great time. It's gonna be super hectic and. Like, honestly, like, people are a little bit jumping the gun. They're like, why isn't Riot hosting 2v2 World Championships yet? It's like, first of all, we don't even know if the mode is balanced, let alone, like, something that is worthy of competition in general. Um, But, you know, I think the fact that there's so much enthusiasm is a good sign, right? Like, ultimately, we can always take away, like, oh, you guys are demanding too much. But the other side of it is that I think people are genuinely just super hyped for TFT again. And that's great because every game on Twitch and in general, just in gaming, go through, uh, you know, the first cycle of hype and then it kind of plateaus. And then it's, it's always a question about whether they can recapture some of that magic. And I think this double up mode is really getting close to that. Like, I think most people are really like, it's just like the talk of the town. Anytime it's like, well, what do we, what should we do? Like, I was like, oh, let's just, let's just play TV, 2v2 duos. That's what I'm going to do in TFT. And I think that's really exciting just to be part of that right now. Yeah, I think from a design standpoint, like the two main things I've always had a gripe with with our game when I first came onto the team was one, kind of creativity and making sure every game feels interesting. I think Augment has actually done a lot to help with this feeling. Um, and then second, it was like, just the game needs to be more social, right? I, I think this is a huge step in that direction. 
Um, and I've been wanting this for this to come out for a long time, and, and I think everyone is going to be very happy with uh, when they finally get to play this and actually get to play with their friends and and try to beat up on other pairs. So. Yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be really cool, and and it's one of the things I've appreciated about the the TFT team when they've been making the game is we see and now especially through the labs we see a lot of stuff where in other games this would be something you hear about in like a making of video like years later it's like oh yeah we tried this mode for a while and but in tft it's like they actually just put it out there for people to play you know so i i hope people appreciate that too in that tft is one of the most experimental games i've ever you know been a part of a community for where the design team is willing to just say hey, we think this will be fun. We're not quite sure if it's going to work or not yet, but we're going to put it out there and let people play it and see what happens. And I think that's that, to me, is one of the most fun things about the game itself. So this is kind of another instance of that, where, you know, you look at all this stuff that's going to be a part of this mode. Is all of this going to survive as the mode develops and is polished? Like, probably not. I mean, there's probably going to be some changes, but is it cool that we get to play it in this form, at least for a little bit? I, I think that's going to be that's going to be neat, you know? So I appreciate that, too. And I think that gets kind of, uh, that goes under the radar for the community because we're kind of getting used to it at this point. But just how experimental the development team kind of seems to be, which which is interesting. Like, uh, maybe you can speak to this a little bit, Static, because a lot of game development teams that I've I've known in the past are very protective. You know, they they don't want to look like they ever do anything wrong. They want to make sure that everything's very polished before it goes out the door. And uh, TFT almost seems collaborative in a way, you know, with, with the community. But what's can you kind of talk about that attitude and what it's like to like be on that team? Yeah, I mean, way? the reality of kind of these situations is like the bigger you get, the the more expectations that get put onto you as far as like you mm -hmm. know how clean your game is, how polished is it, and the kind of decisions you need to make are it becomes harder because you can't just be as crazy. You know, when you're the underdog, you just do anything to get noticed, right? You're just like, oh, sure. just let's just put a dragon in there in the middle lane or whatever and just make this game crazy. Um, and so I think as you get bigger and more popular, you kind of have to start being a little more cautious about what things you do because it might make a lot of players who currently love your game not love it as much anymore. Um, and I, yeah, on, on TFT, I really do feel that sense of like innovation that makes me personally excited to be a game designer. Like that's what I love, you know, pushing the boundaries and, and doing new stuff. I think that's what TFT has always represented to me um, as a concept is like taking the auto battler genre to the next level and, and seeing all those evolutions the same way that, you know, I experienced it on League of Legends and the MOBA genre. And I definitely feel that on the team. The team's very open to new ideas all the time. And I think I like our biggest hurdle usually is not really like our willingness to try it, but just like the technological implications of what we want to do are actually quite challenging at times. Um, you know, doing 2v2 is actually quite complicated because League of Legends was never built for this. And so we had to kind right. of like figure out how to navigate that. Because uh, this has been an idea in our heads for a long time, you know? It's something that we knew for a long time that this was going to pop off. I mean, you know, we saw all these TG2 tournaments all the time being artificially made and put together. It's like, obviously, there's, there's, a, there's a desire here that we feel as well. So, you know, this team definitely is very open to those ideas. And it's more about how do we get there in, the, in, a, in a reasonable way. Makes sense. Are you ready to officially uh, disclose who your 2v2 partner is? Oh, man. I, I actually, I, I'll, I'll raffle it off inside of uh, Riot's and our Slack channels, probably. All I'll right. sell my, my uh, All right. greatness. So. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Any, any more uh, thoughts on, uh, on Double Up Frodan, or should we move on to Agree? I think we're ready for Agree. All right, let's do it.
Let's go on to everybody's favorite segment, Agree. Our first question, set 5.5 ended up being the upper half of TFT sets, ended up being in the upper half of TFT sets in terms of success and fun. Agree? Static? We'll have you answer first. Yeah, that's hard, because you have to think back to all the other sets. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm going to just still probably say, like, even though I love the, the 5.5, and I think we did a lot of cool stuff to kind of make the set a lot more interesting and more reasonable, um, I, I feel like it's still probably just an average for me, personally. Um, so I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't think it's such a slight disagree for me. It's just, there's okay. just been a lot more times I've been much more excited about the game, personally. Um and you know, I think it, it it did a lot to make the set better, but yeah, for some reason, didn't grab me personally as much as as I I would have wanted. And keep in mind, uh, Twitch chat, you can also vote. You see this little square for uh, chat right down there, right down uh, there as well. So uh, let us know, Frodan, agree or disagree? Yeah. So basically, can you put four sets uh, higher than five point five? And this is because I think we have eight now, right? We have one, two, three, three point five, four, four point five, five, five point five. So we have um, eight total currently. And I guess you mm-hmm. count six PB right now, but let's not just because it's not fair for the rankings at the moment. It's not out out yet. Yeah. It, it, but like recency bias, right? Like everyone's like fresh and new, and everyone's already saying like set six is the best set ever. And like while I wa- I'm inclined yeah. to immediately agree, you can't just say that because it's like one day in everyone said set five was looking really hype at the very beginning as well um so the question is is, is it better than four sets uh and I, I don't know if i can say that i think set one already holds like a special place in our heart just because it was the beginning uh set four was particularly very special uh 3.5 and like aspects of three were really good so I kind of agree with that. I think it's just like right there in the middle. And I can't agree just on the principle that I think that I can't definitively put in the upper half. I think that, you know, Radiant Blessings end up being really great. Uh, the Radiant Armories, especially the, the last patch, I was very pleasantly surprised how good Double Radiant Armory felt, almost to the point where I wish it got introduced earlier because it brought fun back into the game into a different way. And ultimately, 5.5 ended up being very balanced. It was very competitive. It was actually great for skill expression. Where the one big X factor it lacked was fun um, compared to the other sets. And this is not to say that TFT wasn't fun. Like I still played 5.5 an enormous amount. It's a special set to me because it's what I hit Challenger in. But like it, it just didn't really have that, that, that replayability that the other sets just generated countless times over. Um, so I, I, did, I think that's where ultimately I have to draw the line. Uh, yeah, I think I'll probably disagree with this too. Uh, I think I do think 5.5 was a huge improvement over 5.0 in terms of my own personal enjoyment with the game, uh, and you know, so and I did enjoy 5.5 a lot as well. Um, but I can definitely think of four sets that I probably liked. I probably had a little bit more fun with overall. So yeah, I, I agree with all of you. I think it's close, but I think I'm gonna have to disagree with the two. Chat says I think the chat poll is pretty close actually. It's still going. They've still got like half less. This is a, this is a long poll. It's, 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 right it's a good question because set rank is that's so subjective. Like no one's ever 100% correct on it. So Why? Because it's all about your personal fun level, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. You totally. know? Yeah, it's definitely a subjective question, not an objective question. Um, right now, it looks like chat is disagreeing, but only slightly. And as we show barely. that, I'm sure it's probably because we uh, yeah, might control go. them. I mean, we might control them with our three disagrees. I mean, come on. You're not supposed yeah. to talk about that. Oh, okay. Yeah. All, 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 the, all the agrees were Sun Astronaut because Sun Astronaut <laughs> believes 5.5 is, is really fun. <laughs> He's a big fan of it. It wasn't bad. This wasn't top half. All right, let's move on to the next question. 
Question number two, the learning curve for Hextalk augments is too high. Agree? Static? I don't think so, personally. I mean, like, it depends what you expect to, you know, yourself to do in this set. If you're going to try to, like, sit there and memorize all of them, like, yeah, this is hard. This is harder than remembering all the presidents, you know, mm -hmm. back in the day in your in your history class. So uh, I wouldn't recommend doing that. But, uh, you know, we made a lot of augments that were meant to be pretty straightforward. Like, there's definitely a good amount that are just, like, plug and play. Like, you just kind of play the way you do, and you're going to do fine. Um but there are some that you can opt into that are going to make your head explode. And that's kind of like that that range of difference of like, hey, this is simple, this is, is easy to get versus this is really hard and I don't know why I chose this and I regret all my decisions. Like that was meant to be part of the experience. So it really depends how much you're opting into. But I think if you're just looking for a simple time, there's definitely ways to play Hextech Augments in a simple way. All right, Frodan. I'm going to agree here, but with a caveat that this is it's okay. too high for a specific group of players, and it's for people who have never played TFT. If they've uh, never played TFT yeah. before, Hextech Augments is just too hard. They have no clue what's going on. And I know this because I sat and walked through somebody who hasn't played before, and they're like, mm. I, I, I don't think, I'm, I'm just going to go back and play whatever game I was playing instead. It's too many elements. And, and I get it because the learning curve isn't high for anybody who has played. And millions upon millions, tens of millions of people have played TFT by now. So, like, surely for them, it's a really refreshing experience. And I'm just saying that if there was an easier way to onboard those players, then it would be complete disagree. But I just have to agree because if, if there's a group of players that we do have to care about a lot is how do we get new people to play TFT who haven't played before? As well as, of course, convince the people who left to come back and for people who, sure. who stay to continue to stay. All right. Uh, I, I think this is our second subjective question in a, in a row because I think it's uh, I think Dan's point and Static's point are, are both valid there. Where I think there's a certain group of players that might have a harder time to embrace it. But then again, I could see newer players who just picked up the game being like, "Well, there's so many of them. There is no burden at all to try to memorize these. I just have to react to it and do the best I can when they show up. And I like the other parts of the game, so I'm just going to roll with this. So I could see it kind of going both ways." Um, I'm, and so for that reason, I think I'm going to disagree with this because I, I, yeah, like I said, I don't think, I don't think there is a learning curve with Hextech aug Augments because there's so many of them that, and you're not going to see everyone every game. In fact, if you like to play the game in a specific way, there's a very high likelihood that some of them will just never appear for you just based on, you know, what the game offers you being reflective of what you play in the early game. So, yeah, I, I think that just the burden just isn't there. You know, your job is to react to what you see as best you can. And, you know, players are either going to like that or they're not going to like that. But I think most players are going to like it. So I'll go ahead and, and disagree with that. Chat uh, pretty heavily disagrees, too. I, again, I do, I, do say, I do say that Frodan has a good point. Uh, I think there are going to yeah. be players that get turned off by it. Um, but I, I hope slash expect most players to be okay with it. But we'll see. Yeah, and for, in Frodan's defense, I really feel like our onboarding could be a lot better. I wish there was a mode where you could play with the item components off or like for some reason the game just like auto-built items for you so you wouldn't have to worry about it or something. Like those kind of options to help people, you know, get used to the game and not have to think about 20 different systems at the same time would be amazing. So, yeah. I yeah. I, I, I want, you know, the thing is like TFT is like very much a young person's game. And, then I, and I say that because people make fun of the fact that it's like less mechanical than say Summoner's Rift, but like, I can never convince my parents to play TFT. 
uh, there's just too much going on. Um, and I would love that because they've tried Hearthstone. That's where the game that I came from right before TFT. So, and they, they've tried Hearthstone. They can understand it. Can they understand something like TFT? And, and I think ultimately that's just something that's on the wish list of many things I'd love TFT to be. Um, and again, I, and, I, and I, I know that if I wasn't factoring in that group at all, I'd be alongside with you guys with the disagree. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, this is the perfect kind of question, right? Because we actually have differing opinions. Let's check out our final question here. Set six is the most innovative set to date. The game almost feels like a Slay the Spire run. That was actually a tweet from Mismatch Socks, which after he made that tweet, I was like, oh yeah, that's a game I always meant to go and check out. And I, I played it and I see exactly what he's saying now. Because when I talked earlier about the game kind of being a story, you kind of get that vibe, I think. Uh, so I said I should stop talking and throw it over to Static to see if he agrees with this or not. Go ahead. Oh yeah, this is one. This the only one that I think is not subjective. Okay, Dilla. let me just tell you. I oh, think this is right, this is the, the one where I think again talking about our approach, it really was like the greatest hits as far as like bringing all these elements that we thought were really great together. And, mm -hmm. and I guess in a way, I mean that's not innovative, but I think to people playing this set, it's going to feel like the most novel and interesting version we've ever put forth. And and for that reason, I think it's a very exciting time to be a TFT player. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm hard to agree on this one, but I'm obviously very biased because <laughs> I really worked very closely on this one. And I, I feel strongly that we've made a lot of decisions that will make this one stand out in a lot of people's minds for the long term. So, so that's an agree from you. Easy. Then. Hell yeah. All right. All right. Well, Frodan, what do you think? Uh, I definitely agree with the first sentence. The most innovative set. It's also the most complex set. It's also got like, mm. it's got so much going on for it. That's really, really mm. great. Uh, do I agree that it almost feels like a Slay the Spire run? Having played thousand hours plus of Slay the Spire, uh, I, I just I didn't get the exact same feeling of it. I think the reason why Sox says it is because he's such a fan of Slay the Spire that he can't think of a greater way to complement a game in terms of its strategic depth. <laughs> uh, so I think that like this is like Sox using a comparative analogy to try and praise Set 6. So I, I can't agree with it just based off that. <laughs> But I totally understand the sentiment behind it. If he chose a different game, that was like great. Because what it, what it really is, is that TFT Set 6 uh, Gizmos and Gadgets is basically the culmination of every good design that we've learned from every auto-battler period. Like across Dota Underlords, Hearthstone Battlegrounds, current auto chess, even aspects. I'm, I'm like watching my French stream Legion TD2, right? And I'm just like, man, Set 6 is just like all this but better. And so... It feels like a culmination of tons of learning and, and, and tons of angry feedback on social media and Reddit. Uh, <laughs> so I will say that, like, so, so the answer is I disagree with this, but, like, I totally get where Sox is sentiment. It's just, I'm just it's a semantics argument here at this point. <laughs> All right. So it's a disagree from Frodan uh, based on semantics. Uh, I, I will take that one step farther, and I will agree with it. Because, like I said, I hadn't played Slay the Spire before I saw that tweet from Sox. I remembered that that was the game I had intended to go and play a long time ago and then forgotten about. I went and installed it, and then, like, six hours later, I was like, Ah, what happened? Like, where did my life go? It was it was great, you know? And and so I, I'm going to agree with this, but I think the reason I'm agreeing with it is because this tweet is what inspired me to try the game that inspired the tweet, so my brain was heavily affected by this being yeah. the premise for it. So I will admit that it is a tainted, uh, it's a tainted perspective on the question, but I have to agree because it's the reality of my situation. <laughs> so there you go. 
chat, meanwhile. Is, yeah, is, is I'm sure cool. chat probably thinks very highly of Slate Aspire. Oh, Again, it's one of my favorite games of all time. Me yeah. and my fiance play Slate Aspire like all the time. We watch Slate Aspire streamers. It's such a great game. Uh, it doesn't remind me of it exactly of it, though. I, yeah. I get what he's saying, though. I get what he's saying. Sure enough. Well, there you go. It's an agree from uh, pretty much everybody, but again, good points from Frodan. That's not patronizing. That's true. But that is our agree segment now. It's everybody's segment, uh, everybody's favorite segment. It's the uh, tier list, and we're doing something a little bit different here. Since Static was so involved in uh, making a lot of the augments that we see in set six, we decided it would be fun to have him do an augment tier list. So uh, take us through it. Top 10 uh, throw them out in any order. Now, I saw you already posted it in our internal chat, so uh, I, I avoided looking at it so I can be surprised, but you're very well prepared, so go ahead. I'm excited to see if, if you guys even know if these ones exist. Maybe you don't. Um, yeah, so yeah like... number, number 10 on my list is Calculated Loss. This is one we, we thought about really early. It's basically, it incentivizes you to lose your combats, and you basically gain gold in a free shop refresh. So uh, it, it actually incentivizes a very weird strategy, and I think a design goal of, of mine for a long time is like, how can you make losing fun? And I think this actually does it. You know, like it's really hard in most mm -hmm. games. You'll play just like they lose. They're like, oh, this game sucks. I don't want to play this anymore. And I think this is one of the first times I'm like, oh, it's actually pretty fun to lose. Like you're trying to lose, but just barely, you know, eke out all that value over time. And, and, and it's really fun. So I think Calculate Lost represented kind of like how impactful augments could be as far as incentivizing players to do some really fun play styles. Um, so yeah, that's definitely 10 on my list. It could even be higher, but whatever. <laughs> um, we should emphasize, too, the, what the traits do exactly. You mentioned it, but just for people who might miss it, I'll just read it out. After losing your combat, gain two gold and a free shop refresh. So Exactly, yeah. Oh, yeah. The memes. When you say, like, <laughs> it clicked, it could be like, oh, calculated. Every time they lose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you might be right this time to lose, so that's great. Um, true, true. Number nine all for right. me is basically all the trait souls, so like Chemtech Soul, Arcanist Soul, all those ones that give basically plus two to a certain trait. Um, mm -hmm. These ones were kind of like, hey, you know, what, could we bring back some of that feel of Chosen, which was kind of creating some interesting trait build paths um, and make sure that, you know, you always kind of feel like there's kind of infinite possibilities with how you build your team comps. So I, I really like that it brings that flavor in there again when you're getting these, you know, even if the plus one versions I think are interesting, but the plus twos really like just, you just your brain starts breaking as far as like what's actually possible in the game once you start getting some of those. Uh, I, find, I find myself taking that one a lot uh, for that yeah. reason is that uh, I get to recreate that chosen feeling. But please continue. Yeah, it also has this really sweet UI, if you guys haven't seen it yet. On the left side of the trait, you'll see, like, the Hextech Augment, like, uh, power-up icon over there. It's pretty sweet. Um, number eight for me is high-end shopping. Um, one, it's just a funny name. I just, I don't know. I just thought it was a funny name. And secondarily, it was such a simple thing that felt so unique to this set. Um, basically, champions appear in your shop as if you were one level higher. Um, and and so a funny story with this is like originally it was like a low the lowest tier augment you could possibly be when we put it in and it was like oh yeah people who would play this game were like oh it's pretty good I guess maybe actually it's not that good I thought it did nothing and then like we put it on PBE and everyone's like oh this thing is broken <laughs> so we actually had to move it all the way to the highest tier with it pretty quickly so uh, yeah around the same time it's really funny but uh, I just think it's really cool because now you're accessing a, a new level of, of shopping that you never could if you're level nine you're getting level ten rates which you've never seen before. Uh, yeah. and so that that was kind of just like a cool game-breaking moment that I felt augments kind of, again, kind of showed us like, wow, this is all these new things that you can experience inside this set. Or if you're level uh, 10. 
you see a level <laughs> 11 shop off. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Uh, so the seventh one for me is Clear Mind. The augment is basically if you have no units on your bench at the end of a round, gain four experience points. Um, this is similar to Calculated Loss in that it, it creates a very interesting play pattern where you, you don't get to use your bench if you want to get the value. Um, but mm. the fun part for me was just the meme name of it. Like Clear clear bench clear mind was something that we always troll about internally so like just we actually literally tried to build an augment around this theme uh, i worked with uh, with uh, chloe with this, on this one and it was just a lot of fun to put in the game and see how pl- like good players like morton kent would try to play around it i still think like the sentiment is like it's bad but i've seen some some players pop up with this and it's pretty fun to see i hope you guys get to cast some some fun games where clear mind is, is a big player in, in one of these tournament games so uh, number six for me is Metabolic Accelerator. Uh, basically, it just makes your tactician move faster as if they were in hyper roll, and you heal two health at the I start like of each one. round. Your little legend heals health, so this is a really unique mechanic as far as that goes. If you can get it early on, you can actually do like a you can lose on purpose and and just start healing up, and you'll be okay. But it's really just funny because like when you're the only person with this and you're on the carousel and you get to like run and steal the unit way faster than anyone else, it just it's just something satisfying about being faster than everyone else on the board. It's really funny. So. Uh, I think that feeling is just fun. Go scout people and distract them even more than it's usual. A scary one. <laughs> yeah, it's good it for is. trolls for sure. I've um I've taken metabolic accelerator and basically lose streaked all the way from stage two to stage four, but was like third in HP, fourth in HP. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of nuts. You're giving up the combat, you know, a combat yeah. possible combat multiplier. So I think this is definitely some interesting trade-offs, and it might be really powerful. We're, we we weren't sure. We thought it was just funny. So I think this is with the augments. We're like 100 not sure on like the balance of state of a lot of these right <laughs> now. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, totally. Yeah, number five for me is chemical overload. This is just something we've been trying to put into the game for a long time. Basically, chem tech units when they die, will explode in AoE to deal magic damage. I think we actually, on you know, the last time I was on Teamfight Talk Show, I we spoiled like a, a an internal like gloom seed mechanic for like set four oh, that yeah, never yeah, made it right. out to you guys. But it would have the yeah. same mechanic, which is like, hey, when you, you die, you explode. And finally, we got it into the game in a fun way. I heard it's really powerful. I think Mort nerfed it today. But uh, it's, <laughs> it's really, it's really cool. I have not cool seen this in any of my games yet. Yeah, not all the augments get like special visuals and, and, and sounds, but this one actually does. So, you know, when you're Kepik's side, you'll kind of hear that like, and you'll see them explode. And it's pretty sweet. I think it also gives Twitch a, a new use case in the comp, which is just like yeah, suicide yeah, yeah. of the back, line. the back line. Yeah. It's yeah, just yeah, really yeah. Funny, funny use cases. Maybe you, you strap a Zizarod onto him too. I don't know. Hmm. It's just some funny stuff that you could do with that. I think it's, it's really fun. So wait, uh, if, the, if the ZZ Rot minion comes out of a, a Chemtech uh, person that exploded, the minion doesn't explode either, right? No, no, they're not. Gonna oh, okay. Explode. All right, just just double check here. No. I don't uh, want to give you any ideas. But... <laughs> no, that sounds toxic. <laughs> <laughs> Chemtech. That's uh, that's the idea. It's so thematic. Yeah. Uh, number four for me is Unstable Evolution. I don't know if you guys have seen this one yet, but basically, uh, I was uh, you know Ken and I were kind of inspired by this idea of like. <laughs> Pokemon farming of like farming your rares and, and, and your uh, you know all those uh, perfect stats. So basically, mutants randomly gain uh, a fall a random stat when they get two stars. So either you know, health, AD, AP, or attack speed. And if you build up to a three star, that is actually three different mutation bonuses stacked together. So um, it's just kind of fun 
long game you play uh, building this up. And, and you, you know, when you roll the two side, you're just hoping, oh my God, I'm playing Kong, I really want the attack speed. Like, please give me the attack speed, please give me the attack speed. And I think that, like, kind of prey oh, moments are pretty good. So, yeah, it's okay. pretty interesting. And yeah. so I, I, I picked this today, and I had two two-star Cassidans with the exact same stat line that got manipulated. And I thought that it was just like, oh, this is what Cassidan gets this game. I didn't realize that it was two of the exact same stat. It was just a one and four both times. Okay, yep, I didn't realize. Yep. So I actually spilled the Cassidan. I was like, oh, well, I don't need it anymore. <laughs> I was, oh, I regret everything. No. <laughs> yeah, it's really strong for like a reroll mutant type of play style. Oh, um, what? That Cassidan would have had like two, like like 400 AD if I just like... <laughs> what? Practical? I don't know. Live and learn. I don't know. He's pretty cool to catch me, though. Oh. All right, all right. Right, number three for number me three? is, uh, yeah, Portable Forge. Uh, so basically you open an armory and you get to choose one of three artifacts from Orn from set four. And I think yeah. this one just prevents, presents a really unique experience as far as like the game goes. And this is one of those you know greatest hits type of things. Like I think everyone loved Orn from set four and bringing his items back, even though we couldn't bring his actual champion back into it, was a was a cool way to pay homage, homage, as homage, yeah, to to kind of... That's the great design that was done on his artifacts. So I think bringing them back is just a sweet, sweet, sweet moment for everyone. It's also like pretty rare because it's at the highest tier, but I've seen some people have some fun with, uh, you know, getting some of these, like the collector again and all those things. I know Kent's terrified of the the winter one, though, Eternal Winter. That, oh, that one was yeah. a, it was a big balance problem, so I think we're kind of like scared. But, <laughs> you, can't, you know, you literally have to random the forge and then random the, within the choices. And, and I don't know, I think it's just going to be pretty rare, so... Uh, number two is level up, and this one is hard because it actually used to be like when you chose the augment, it just level you up. But that just ended up being so overpowered wow. that we couldn't keep it in the game. <laughs> it was just like it was beyond the highest tier. It was like two tiers above anything else in the game. So <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but the main point of this was you know basically allowing players to reach level ten, um, which is a big dream that we were kind of trying to build out for this one. And so the other mechanic that comes along with it is you can when you buy XP, you just get additional XP. So it's easier to just level up in general. Um, so yeah, like 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 Frodan said, when you combine it with high end shopping, you can actually access level 11, 11 rates, which is just like basically you get to like three star five costs for the most part if you're at that point in the game. So yeah, good wow. on you. Yeah. All right. Super What's neat. the number one? What's right, number what one? I really very I don't know if you guys have seen this one. This is my favorite one. And I thought I was gonna hate it when I first put it in because it was suggested by by uh, Giovanni, who was. Uh, who was the kind of the lead on the set, but it's called Built Different. Uh, your units with no traits active gain 400 health and 80% attack speed. So it really incentivizes you to play a very weird way. You get really dizzy because every time you activate a trait, you just start panicking. You're like, oh, no, 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 yeah. no, this is not right. This is not right. And you start exactly, like switching yeah. guys in now. You try to like figure it out. And it's really fun. Um, and you can get some pretty interesting late game boards. I'm very excited to, to, every time I see this personally, I will take it, even though I'm in a terrible position to use it. I will just do it personally. Um, but I'm hoping to see again, this one be played maybe on a tournament stage level and see what they can do with it. So I'm hoping I get this one. I've not been offered this one yet, but fingers crossed. I, I have. Does it, does it affect legendaries like Jace who has Transformer, for example? Yeah, that's an unfortunate thing. We've had a lot of debates internally oh, yeah. around like, oh, one oh, one tra okay. one trait shouldn't count or not, but uh, it huh. just ended up being very complicated. Like, it's something that we may retract down the line, but it's it's something that I, I didn't want to release with because, like you said, 
you know, Nefrodin, this is probably one the most complicated set we've ever set, released. And like getting into too many nitty gritty rules around how these augments work is just kind of adding on to that complication that I really didn't want to get into. So, uh, it's tough. But yeah, the, you can't use Yumi and you know Jace are not going to be very good in, in, in built different compositions. So. It's a great, it's a really fun one. Super changes the way you play, and, and I can appreciate that. I'm excited because I think in, in the games I played, and, and like I said, I've played maybe 15 total so far, but I, I think I still haven't seen most of the ones on this list. And that just speaks like how many augments are in the game. So looking forward to like the level up one built different. Like, please, please, Mort, send me the send me level up at some point in my life. <laughs> It'll be fun. So there you go. Top ten augments. We'll have to we'll have to revisit this in the future and see if see if that changes. Um, maybe we'll have you back at some point to to do that because I'm curious how that'll evolve over the uh, the course of the set. But it's time for some Q and A. So during this segment, while we have Static answer uh, this question, go ahead and put your questions in Twitch chat as well. Uh, Static will pick one. Uh, you will get a ten dollar gift certificate, and uh, you get to have your question answered uh, on the on the broadcast. So uh, go forth and do that now. Let's check out the question we have for Static here. It is, how has game balancing affected your game designing? Any example is using your balancing experience from Summoner's Rift to cut or add augments that warp the game in good and bad ways? Was I think kind of the yeah, gist of that question from Ostian. That's an awesome question. I feel like, yeah, I feel like your viewers are just really insightful. Uh, this is like... You have the smartest viewers in, in esports, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's an objective crazy. truth. Yeah, don't need to put that one up on a degree question. <laughs> yeah i mean it's funny because like i think this is just personally for me like i've been in that like space of balancing the game so long that i almost have become a little bit averse to the idea of like making a game super balanced like i've been there too long and now i'm just like i want to dabble in the dark arts of like how do we just make it crazy and i think that's just kind of you see it in augments coming out a lot of just like i i, I think i've gotten to the point where I, I understand you know fun is the most important thing and then balance can kind of come a little bit afterwards i'm not saying that it doesn't matter but you know if you don't have a fun game then it's not even worth balancing if that makes sense so uh cool. there's definitely a lot of augments that we had to cut you know there was example like an example was nico nico is actually a con where you could basically get two nikos off an mm -hmm. augment and it just ended up being way too powerful and, and allowing for way too many three star or, or i mean Three star, five costs, and four costs that we just weren't comfortable with releasing it. So that's an example of an augment that we cut based on purely like game balance and, and game health needs because we just didn't see it working out, you know? Um, I think Loaded Dice, the Loaded Dice one, which I think is called High Roller, is, is in a dangerous space as well, you know? And it's it's one that barely made the cut, I think, as far as how it goes. And, and it may get cut down the line if it ends up just being way too powerful or way too consistent as at making the game feel really unfair and not fun. So... Yeah, I mean, we definitely take this into account. I talk to Mort and, and Kent a lot every day as far as like, hey, I'm, I'm feeling weird about this augment. What do you guys think? Um, and it's just kind of how it works in the team. We kind of just bounce ideas off and, you know, we play the game as much as we can. So It's funny that you mentioned that because they just buffed High Roller. They give you three loaded dice now instead of two. <laughs> I got yeah. that loaded Yeah. Uh, you're like, I was That's not right. sure if it should make it into the game. It's like, ah, let's just buff yeah. it and see what happens. I got a cast it in three in uh, two rounds with that one. Uh, oh so yeah. put that out there. Yep. Scary. It's good for finding those one costs. But uh, so uh, go ahead and check Discord. We've got some of the questions from chat in there so you can find one uh, that you like. 
Uh, while you pick that out, I'm going to ask Frodan a question. So, in the games you've played so far, what's been like the standout moment that you've had in a set six? Standout moment that I've had. Yeah. Um, Most memorable moment so far. That's tough, man. It's, it's tough because I, I, I have Crazy to think stuff. about all the games that I've played. I think I'm like, right now, so <clears throat> I found out that I was, so I'm doing the PBE Clash this weekend, right? Which is a mm -hmm. global invitational for that was open sign up but it's an invitational that's going to be like a, the first look at competitive for tft i thought that i was just hosting kind of like what necro does like you know just kind of ushering us in and out of game and just like asking the right questions it turns out i'm casting some games so i i was like so i was playing everything under the guise of just being very competitive and not just like explorative you know just like i'm not i'm not trying to like meme around and hang out like i'll let someone else reroll your and tell me if it's good or not but i pretty i think it's kind of bad so I'll just like jam the good stuff for a while. So I, I apologize now, Doa. I don't. I actually didn't do a lot of fun stuff. I did a lot of like competitive stuff because I felt like I needed to know that how I'm going to this weekend. Um, I will say that the coolest was almost three starring both Yone and Fiora. That was pretty dope. A lot of people call them the second coming of Slash Bros. Uh, Bros. Yeah. The but, uh, yeah. uh, they're not really bros <laughs> um but it's a really really fun comp of playing like multiple challengers and having um yone and fiora just slice and dice everything up super cool nice i did uh i did three star on uh ergot yesterday that felt pretty good that was my first uh first first of set six yeah that was fun all right well Sadik, have you made your selection yeah, we have. We made the decision. There's a lot of good All questions. Right. I just had to choose one, though. So. Oh, there it is. I've only got one monitor right now, so I, I had another window in front of it. Do you have, and can you share any crazy augment that the team came up with while making the set that you guys chose? Uh, oh, you already talked about that, didn't you? I talked about one, but there's another one that I think I want to oh, okay. to, which is pretty fun. Uh, I, I think it's something that everyone's a little sad about. It's actually one of the early augments that we made, and it actually was called Future Future Peepers. It was like our troll meme name. We tried to put as many meme names in our augment system as we could, <laughs> but it's called Future right. Peepers. Eventually, it was named Future Sight. Um, what it actually does is it allows you to see who you're going to go up next against. So you can see your opponent and you know who you're going to go up against next. And it also gives you a Zephyr. So you're able to oh, kind no. of leverage that in a very specific <laughs> way. Um, unfortunately, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For one, okay, balance concerns aside, I don't know if it's good or bad. I think, uh, I'm not sure. But the we had a lot of issues with just like having to build the UI and the UX experience of how we would display the player to the opponent. We were using a very like janky way of doing it at first and, and we just didn't have enough time to, to do it at the end. I mean, if we are able to get it in for maybe, uh, you know, a 6.5 or, or beyond, I would be really excited. But yeah, future peepers is something that we all kind of, when we had to put it away, we were like, no. So, <laughs> the fun one. We'll, we'll look forward to that in the 6.5 in some, uh, some iteration, right? Yeah. Super interesting yeah. if that was the case for everybody. Uh, if everyone knew for like one round, like who they would face, I think that'd be pretty interesting. But yeah. If you could choose to let everyone know. Huh. <laughs> well, congrats to our giveaway winners, uh, Ostayan. Ostayan? I'm I'm butchering your pronunciation. Apologies, but whatever. You're the one who typed it. I'll say it. And then uh, Gabardo, 
who is our chat giveaway winner. Congratulations on uh, that one. And that brings us to the end of the episode. And I believe this is our longest episode ever. This ended up being like the set six megasode or something, mega episode. Uh, so thanks to Static for coming and uh, sitting with us and talking. TFT nerding out with us for over 90 minutes now. Um, as we as we finish this up, uh, what, are, what are your final thoughts uh, on the show here, Static? Yeah, man, I'm always happy to come back. I, I, I always enjoy talking with, with everyone as well as you guys uh, about all this stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. We finally got this set out. Everyone can see it. Everyone can play it. I hope you guys have a lot of fun with it. I know we put a lot of hard work into this one and, and we are hoping to you know blow your minds in a way. I hope it's working. I would say it is so far. Frodan, what are your final thoughts of the day? Oh, man, oh, Sussex is so fun. I need to do work and there's so much work to do and there's so much real life responsibilities and it's just so easy to put them all off and play video games um and you know of course shout out to the riot team for just putting so much work into it it clearly shows and i think everyone's initial reception to it is like just a reflection of all the hard work um and you know i I think that uh it makes me super excited for this weekend right like the pb tournament it's going to be happening the broadcast starts on Saturday and Sunday, the 23rd and 24th, because uh, I believe the first wave of games start tomorrow. So it's going to be pretty hype. We're going to have our first competitions. Um, so make sure to tune in for that. All right. Well, on that note, that is going to do it for Team Fight Talk Show today. Thanks to all of you out there for watching. Thanks again to Riot Static for coming on the show and giving us some insight. Frodan has one more thing to say, though. What, what is yeah, it? we're not what doing our next episode on November 3rd. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, should mention that. Uh, so two weeks from now, we're, we're supposed to have like a November 3rd episode. That's not going to happen. Um, and then the episode after that, it's unlikely I'll be around. So I'll see you all <laughs> in like a month and a half. <laughs> we'll, we'll hold it down until, uh, until you come back. Don't worry about it. Uh, but yeah, you, you've got some important real-life stuff to, uh, to do. So don't worry about it, man. It's fine. It'll be good. But that is going to do it for the episode. Uh, like Frodan said, too, this weekend, Saturday and Sunday at 6 uh, six p.m. PDT, it's the Gizmos and Gadgets PVE Clash. It's going to be a ton of fun. I'm going to be watching that. Speaking of real-life stuff, got some stuff going on this weekend, but I'll try to tune in as much as I can. Um, but again, thanks to Riot Static for coming on the show. Thanks, everyone at home, for watching. Thanks to Giant Slayer and Wisdom for producing this wonderful show. And thanks to Riot for making TFT. That is going to do it for us today here on Team Fight Talk Show. So until next time, it'll be a little while, but that's great because you got plenty of time to go out and conquer the ladder in a six set six or conquer the uh, you know PBE at least. So have fun with that. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>